How many of you play guitar? Like nobody wants to raise their hand right now after that. <laughs> I'm so grateful for Jerry Strickland for coming to Goldsboro. And not just playing the guitar, but walking it. You know what I mean? Have you ever heard this is the guitar described as an axe? Well, that's the reason right there. Somebody that can play like that. So thank you so much for coming and, and just rocking our ears with that awesome rendition. Uh, it's called Miraculum, actually. It's a guitar solo by a man named Lincoln Brewster. And that's one of the best uh, playings of that I think I've ever heard. Can we just give it up for him one more time? And there's so much that, that went into that, so much rehearsal, the light show you saw, and Pastor Gage, and different people doing lots of things to make that happen. So thank you guys so much. Um, if you're new around here, I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm so grateful that all of you are here today at the Bridge Goldsboro as we go into this Christmas season. I, I know a lot of you are buying gifts and are hiding gifts from people. Um, have you ever heard, well, I, I want to ask that question. Let me ask this question. How many of you have something very special, maybe a piece of jewelry that you are giving to a special loved one this Christmas season? Don't answer it. Don't answer it because it is probably a surprise. But have you ever seen the commercial of the, of the, the wife getting the diamond or maybe the, the person, the, the, the special girl getting the diamond and, and the, the commercial and the announcer says it's the gift that lasts forever? And everybody's like, oh, and the guys are like, oh, man, I wish that commercial would never come on. Um, we all like getting gifts that last forever, don't we? we have flowers, they don't last, do they? Uh, perfume, for a little while, it lasts. Toys, they get broken, um, some quicker than others. They don't last. But diamonds are forever, so the slogan says. Um, I, I guess diamonds do last a long time, but I've, I've come to realize, as people have told me, so do payments, you know what I mean? Um, but you know what's interesting? Some of the gifts that God gives us, uh, are temporary too. If you think about the sunsets that we see, they, we have to see another one, right? The food that, that God blesses us with to nourish our body. Pretty soon, we need more nourishment. Um, think about even one of his greatest gifts that he ever gave us um, on this planet, marriage. Even that only lasts until death do us part. Um, but interestingly enough, when God gave us the gift of Jesus Christ... He gave us a gift of joy that is going to last absolutely forever. And the, the cool part is, is you can start enjoying it now. And in this series, we're talking about the best Christmas gifts, understanding that there are some great Christmas gifts out there, but the best ones come from heaven. The best ones are eternal. The best ones are from God. And today, I want to talk to you about the gift of joy. Everybody say joy. This is a season of joy. God gives us this gift of joy. And I want to talk to you, kind of, I, I kind of want to go in depth a little bit, but I want you to understand off the get-go the difference between happiness and joy. If you think about happiness, it's this feeling of ecstasy because something happened. Um, she, she said yes, happy, right? I get a raise, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, you can even get happy about a pizza, especially when you have extra toppings because of coupons, right? I mean, you can get happy about all kinds of things, and happiness is cool, and I want you to know you need to go after happiness on this planet because it's, it's something that really gets us going. But joy, that's something different. Joy is something way down deep. It's a sense of, of well-being that endures regardless of happiness. It, it endures regardless of what happens, and it's the enduring gift that God gives to mature Christians and it sustains us through good and bad times. How? Well, here's the, the quick answer, and then I'm going to go into it a little bit. Because of what's coming. 
we can have joy way down deep in our hearts, not because of what's happening around us, but because of what Jesus did and more importantly, what it attaches us to. What's coming? What's coming? Jesus told his disciples uh, just before he died in John 16, 22, he said this. He said, imagine him talking to you today. You have sorrow now, but I'm going to see you again. And then you're going to rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Right now, your life has sorrow, he says, but he says something else is coming. <laughs> Jesus is coming. Heaven is coming. It's a reality. And if you'll focus on that, even when you're hurting, you may not be happy all the time, but you'll have a joy that nobody can take from you. Uh, can I give you a silly example? I'm, I'm full of silly examples. When I, when I was a, a young boy, me and my two brothers and sister and my parents, we lived in Tampa, Florida. Uh, for a while. My dad was in the military, and there was four of us, three boys, one girl, and us boys fought like dogs in the yard. I mean, we were all over each other, driving each other crazy. One of the things my older brother used to do that drove me nuts is he would come in my room, and he would open my, my dresser, and he would say, I think I left some socks in here. And I'm like, no, you didn't. But it was, listen to what he did. And then after he milled around for a minute, he was like, well, no, they're not here but I'm taking this, and then take one of my shirts, you know, because he wanted that, and that was just his way to get in. used to drive me insane. Uh, one summer, because we lived close, uh, we only went once, which doesn't, uh, doesn't compute with me. They took us to Disney World <laughs> one time, and, and we were so excited about going to Disney World. The whole week leading up to going to Disney World, all of a sudden, we were so tolerant of each other. I mean, there was more laughter, there was more tolerance, there was more getting along um, than you ever could, could imagine, especially with us three boys killing each other all the time. Um, you know, someone eats all the cereal before you're able to get into the kitchen. Well, that's okay, I'll have oatmeal. It, it, you know, uh, did I still get upset when he stole my, my stuff? Yeah, I did, but I got through it because Disney was coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was something else coming, and when you know that something better is coming... It gives you the footing you need on the inside to endure what's in front of you. When you know something better is coming, it gives you a footing on the inside to endure what's in front of you. Yes, there's hurt we have to deal with now, but because of Jesus, we don't have to face it without the joy, knowing that it's not always going to be this way. And, and let me tell you something, guys and gals, that's the significance of Christmas. Jesus came to make a way for imperfect humans to be worthy of a perfect God and a perfect heaven. We, we don't have joy because of what we see around us, whether it be good or bad. We have joy because of what's coming. We have joy because of something that we don't see yet. And once that Christmas story, the, the reason why Jesus came is not just to come and, and, as Bobby Ann said, just to make a point. He came to connect us to God the Father. He came to connect us to heaven. That, that's not here yet. And once that story becomes your story, you'll have a joy that can never be taken away from you. It's a precious gift, especially in the middle of all we face here. So I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about that joy. And I want to go back to the Christmas story um, that we read about in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And I want you to remember it was the angel that announced this joy um, and made it available to us or told us that, that it was available to us. In Luke 2 verse 10, uh, it says, The angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. He didn't say, I bring you great happiness or great feelings. He said, I bring you great joy. So I want to talk about that joy. And I want to talk about how it relates to you and what it does in your life. And I want to just say three things. Say three things. Three things. Here's the first one. Joy breaks through the mundane. 
That joy that we can experience right now, it breaks through the mundane in your life. If you read a few verses before the angels show up, you would be shocked uh, at, to see that such a powerful event happened on such a boring night. <laughs> I mean, if you look at verse 8 in Luke 2, it says, There they were, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping their watch over the flock by night. So there's a bunch of dudes watching sheep sleep in the middle of the night. I mean, I just, it just screams excitement. You know what I mean? I, I just can't. I, I, this is not an exciting job. It's the, the lowest of occupations. Uh, and even in terms of social class back then, it was really looked down on. They had a mundane job. It was so boring. It was so simple. It was blah. Now and again, they would shoo off a, a predator, um, you know, or, or, but it was, they watched sheep sleep and eat. And, and defecate in the fields. Like literally, that's what they were doing. I mean, it's, it's boring. People go to the zoo to watch different animals, panda bears and, and monkeys. People even watch birds. But have you ever heard of a, a, a sheep-watching club? Yeah, there's a reason for that. You know, It's like saying, hey, let's come over here and watch the grass grow. And, and right in the middle of that, angels burst on the scene. There's this mundane moment, and angels, you know, they, they come to prophets and kings, the shepherds knew that, but they don't come to shepherds. But on this night, joy broke through the mundane into the lives of shepherds. And I just kind of want to show you just a little bit about maybe what that would look like. I, most of you probably don't come here during the week, um, so you don't see what this room looks like during the week. You just kind of see this, this production. But I just, just for like a second or two, I want to give you a glimpse into what this looks like during the week. Can we just show them, guys in the back, can we just show them what this looks like? This is what the stage looks like during the week. This is blah. Would you come here if this is what we did? I mean, we put a lot of effort into making this place look kind of bright and, and nice, and it looks literally like nothing much during the week. But, but the angels, they come and burst on the scene, and it's kind of like the production kind of coming up here. Can we, can we turn them back on? Here, here, here come the angels. Oh, you know, it's like all of a sudden it just transforms into something that wasn't there before, you know, the, the mundane. And here they are half asleep. They find themselves in the middle of the most exciting event, in all of human history. It broke through the mundane. Then one of the angels says this in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I mean, he, the angels come, they fill the whole sky, and Gabriel says to the shepherds, Jesus, this, the, the Messiah, the Savior of the world is coming here. And I think, you know what's cool? That God picked shepherds the most mundane job, maybe the most mundane people, I don't know, but he picked them to be the first to know about his son coming to earth. Why did he do that? Maybe it was because God wanted us to know that joy breaks through the mundane, and it still does that today. And for the Christian, for you, for you and I, the joy of good news breaks through the mundane. It breaks through the mundane of your job, the same routine every day, and you wonder, well, you know, how, how is this going to going to do anything in my life, this job, I'm just, I'm just going and paying bills and going and paying bills, and I'm, one day I'm going to die and have accomplished nothing. Joy breaks through that. It breaks through the, the mundane of raising kids, the busiest job, but yet probably one of the most mundane when it gets down into it. I heard one mom say recently, I have to get out of the house. I was like, why? She said, all I do is wash clothes, dishes, make snacks, and wipe butts. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You know, I gotta, but regardless of how dane your job is, regardless of how dane mundane your life is, we find eternal significance in Christ because something else is coming. Joy breaks through 
the mundane. And Jesus promises there's a reward coming. In Matthew 25, 21, he says this, because you were loyal with small things. In other words, because you were loyal with the things in your life that seem mundane now, I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy with me. And it doesn't matter what your place is in life. You don't have to go around in meaningless circles. You can know that joy breaks through the mundane, and the joy is knowing that there's more. Joy breaks through the mundane. The second thing joy does is it eliminates fear. It eliminates fear. Did you know that fear was actually the first thing the shepherds felt? Fear. In verse 9 of Luke 2, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Can you imagine? It says that they were terrified. They weren't just startled. They were frightened. They were terrified. Imagine the scene. They're out in the middle of this field. It's all dark. It's the middle of the night. It's quiet, and all of a sudden, boom, here comes this bright light that probably warps the the light of the sun, and it's shining around them. It's the glory of the Lord. In other parts of the Bible, we read that angels show up, and the people actually fell on their face, and they were blinded by the light. It was no different here. It scared them to death. So it makes sense that the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid. (laughs) You know, I've come to bring you good news of great joy. It seems strange, but the first reaction that a lot of people have to God is fear. I guess the first time you come into the presence of a holy God, it's enough to make anyone afraid. Um, but, but fear. It's fear. And, and we come to God with that. And I think some, one of the reasons is because we're scared we're going to be punished. Whenever we come into the presence of God, think about that. You come into his very presence. When you feel his presence around you and, and, and you realize that it's him, your imperfection stands out like a sore thumb, doesn't it? And so does mine. And, and we come into this, the presence of a perfect God and our imperfection, we recognize it immediately and our need for a savior automatically becomes apparent. The, the need for something. And, but the, here's the thing. When we come to know Jesus, our fear of punishment is replaced with joy. And forgiveness. Because he, that unworthiness that we feel, all of a sudden, all, it becomes so wrecked. We always know we're not perfect, but when we stand in the presence of a holy God, our imperfection becomes, and unworthiness becomes so apparent. But Jesus makes us worthy. And so we have joy when we know him. First John 4.18, it talks about God's love for us. It says that, that such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of judgment. And this shows that his love has not been perfected in us. When we first realize that we're lost and we don't have Christ in our lives, yeah, there's a fear. But in time, we build this relationship with Christ, and then there's joy. That's why the angel said, don't be afraid, because I bring you tidings of great joy. Why? Because a Savior has been born. The joy always ties to Christ, every time. Sometimes the fear is this. We're afraid we're going to lose something. After you get over the initial fear of, of being in God's presence and, and, and you're in this, the presence of a holy God, Satan will often plant a fear in your life of, of what will God ask me to do? <clears throat> what is God going to ask me to do? I, I've talked with people that say, you know what? Um, <clears throat> I believe in God. I believe I'm a Christian. Um, but I like to party a little bit. And if I get too close to God, I might have to give up some of that. And I don't want to get... I don't want to get you know, that close. I don't know. Or maybe they'll say, I like nice things, and I know what's going to happen if I start getting too close to God. He's going to, he's going to convict me to tithe or give or, or do something else, and I'm just not willing to go there. 
Um, other people say this, and it's legit, that in the, you know, our human selves, I like my time. And if I start doing this God thing, if I get too close, then I'm going to have to serve somewhere. I'm going to have to attend church more. I'm going to have to make some kind of further commitment, and I only get one day off a week, or I only get the weekends. That's my time. And, and I just want to say, I'm not pretending for a minute that it's not going to take sacrifice, that when you serve God and really get to know Him and have that joy in your life, that, that there's no sacrifice involved. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I think about the shepherds that night when they're doing their job and the angels show up. Did God expect them to give up some sleep? Did God expect them to risk losing their jobs and go find people that they didn't know? Yeah, he did. God fully intended for them to be jolted out of their comfort zone. But I want you to understand what he intended for them and what he intends for you. Anytime he asks a sacrifice of you, he will reward you many times over with joy. Every time they came back praising God with great joy, the Bible says. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says those who try to hold on to their lives are going to give up true life. But those who give up their lives for me will hold on to true life. When you draw near to Jesus and you begin to realize that what you have in him is, is, is joy, what you have is because of him, then that joy is going to eliminate any fear you have. Any fear you have of what God might do through you, in you, it's going to eliminate any fear of what your life is going to end up being, and it's going to eliminate any fear of what happens after you leave this planet. I want you to remember what the angel said. The very first thing that the angel said to these shepherds was, don't fear. I bring you news of great joy. Joy breaks through the mundane. Joy eliminates fear. And the third thing is this. Joy is based in truth. You know what we do around here. We wave at the train when it comes by. <laughs> Joy is based in the truth. I want this to sink in just a minute because I want you to think about this. Joy is not wishful thinking. It, it's rooted in something that's true. It's based on facts. The angel didn't show up and give the shepherds some vague piece of information to make them feel good about themselves. He told them straight up in verse 12 of Luke 2, and this will be a sign to you. You're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This is going to be a sign. I'm telling you that the Savior of the world has come, and this is how you're going to know. And so what happened? In verse 15, it says, As the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Well, that's nice. No, they said, Let us go see. <laughs> Let us go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And the Bible says they came with haste. They came quick. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger, just as they were told. They, the angel told them that it had happened, and they went to see for themselves. They, they actually sought it out. They did it. <clears throat> and I think one of the saddest things um, that people settle for is this acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord, but never pursue him. They, they acknowledge that he is God. They believe in him, but they, they, they never really pursue him. And so they never truly have joy. And I just, I ask the question whenever I think about this, can you have joy just believing that he exists? Can you have joy just believing that he's Lord? I don't know, but I want you to think about this. Even demons do that. They know he's God. They believe it. They can't help but believe it because it's true. 
We believe in him, but we often stop there, and therefore we don't experience the joy of pursuing him. So what do we do? We settle for happiness. As Christians, we, we settle for happiness based in false hopes of things that will bring a feeling for a while, and we attach God's name to it. And I'm going to tell you, God brings lots of happiness. God brings lots of things. Have you ever been blessed by God with a material thing? Yeah, you have. You have. It brings lots of happiness, but the material thing may stay a while or it may be gone, especially if it's something like a monetary blessing that God gives you. Well, you spend it. It's gone after a certain point. But what brings the joy? The joy is found in pursuing the Jesus that you believe in. Can I be bold for a minute? I need your permission. Can I be bold? I'll be, I'll be loving, but I want to be bold. If you don't have joy this morning, not talking about happiness, and if, 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 if you think joy is attached to a thing coming on this planet, a job, a, a status, a, a relationship, that, that's not joy. That's happiness. If you don't have joy stemming from the reality of heaven, or maybe you've been feeling that life is draining you of your joy, would you be able to put your temporary happiness aside and search out the truth of Jesus? If your joy is not attached to the reality of heaven, the, the angels didn't come and say, you know, behold, I bring you great news of, of, of great raises that are coming. Shepherds are getting ready to go up in this world. <laughs> the Savior's been born. Heaven is a reality for you. Worthiness of God is a reality for you. And so if you don't have joy that's based in the reality of heaven, my, my question and my challenge is, would you be bold enough to, to turn away what you think is going to make you happy for just a moment and search out the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ? I think the reason that people, Christians, have a hard time being committed all the way in their faith um, isn't because they don't believe in Jesus, but because they have a lack of joy and the lack of joy in their life leaves them incapable of proving that he's real. That was a mouthful. I want you to think about it for a minute. If Jesus is real, then why do I feel empty? If Jesus is real and I believe, then why do I have no joy? If Jesus, I'm a Christian. Why, why, do, why do I not have joy? If an unbelieving friend were to pin you with the question, why do you believe this stuff? Would your life prove it? Would your joy prove it? Think about that. This is, this is not deep, but it's, it pierces all of our hearts. It pierces mine. If an unbelieving friend were to ask you, why do you believe this stuff? And they genuinely want to know. They're not arguing. They just they want to know. Would the joy that you have in your life, not happiness, what, what if your life just hit the fan, man? What, what if you just were waylaced on the ground because life had just swarmed over you? Some of you are facing that right now. And I don't want to put salt in a wound, so to speak, but I, I, if an unbelieving friend were to watch you handle your trouble on this planet, would your joy prove that you know the reality of heaven? Not happiness. I'm not saying you have to be happy. Would your joy prove it? Would you be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the joy that's in your life? Or would you be settling for happiness? <clears throat> that if you were honest, maybe you don't know what it means to know the joy that God gives, the truth, the reality, the, 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 the foundation, the root of joy. Do you know it? I, I want to show you a picture just to illustrate this, and then we're going to end. But this is an unfinished puzzle uh, from a famous painting of Jesus. Now, if you've never seen this painting, you, you just probably believe me just because I said it, right? <laughs> this is... 
It's, it's Jesus. But you could also look at me and say, prove it. Well, I'd actually have to seek the pieces out. I actually have to figure out what it looks like, put the actual pieces in place. That's going to take time and energy. I could be doing something else with. But in order to prove to you that that is an actual picture of Jesus, if you genuinely didn't believe me, I would actually have to seek out the pieces and put them together. And, and, and if I'm honest with all of us in the room, Pastor Ryan included, a lot of times this is what our, our joy looks like. It looks like a, a, a half picture that we haven't quite put together yet. In fact, a lot of us walk around like this never having put it together. We believe in him. We know he's real. We've got kind of half the picture. But because that's because somebody told us that. And we believe what somebody told us. And I'm not saying that that wasn't a God moment. Maybe that, that was the moment that you said, I have faith in you, Jesus. You don't have all the questions answered. You don't really know and have this deep relationship with Christ, but you believe him. And, and that's what God says gets you to heaven. That's what makes you worthy. But then there's this, there's this span of time before you get to heaven, before you have the prize called while you're here on this earth. And God challenges us while we're on this earth to make disciples, to spread the gospel, to have this joy in our lives that's affecting us, that's helping us get through, that's affecting everyone we come into contact with. But a lot of us walk around with just, just we started our conversion point and we don't go any further than that. And we have this half picture of what Jesus really looks like. And so you go to somebody and they're asking you, well, who is that? And you're like, well, that's Jesus. And they're like, prove it. And you're like, I haven't done that yet. I haven't put all the pieces. And they're like, well, how do you know? Well, somebody told me it was him. Well, how do you really know? I believe in Jesus because my parents told me. But guys, until I seek him out, until I, until I put this together for myself, and, and I prove to myself, and I let God prove himself to me, I may know of him, but I'm not going to know his joy. And I certainly won't be able to prove it to somebody else. I don't care how much Bible knowledge I have. I don't care how long somebody says they've been in church, until you surrender yourself to knowing him, until you pursue the facts, until you go further than just saying you're saved, until you actually begin to take the pieces of this thing called, called what Jesus did for you and make it your story and make it personable to you. You can't walk around with a half picture of Jesus and say you have joy. The joy that you have in the Lord, as the Bible says, is your strength. Not just knowing of him, not just having an association with him because you come to church here. Look, even the demons know that he exists. And they shudder at his name, the Bible says. They do that. But God paid a big price for you to know him, for you to seek him, for you to try to figure this out. Look, joy is not based in wishful thinking. It's not this whitewash crutch that we just put over everything to say, yeah, you can have joy. No, it is based in truth. But I can't figure that truth out for you. God wants to reveal it for you. I figured it out for me, and I'm still on this journey. And I've come a long way, and I'm, I'm so grateful for all that he's shown me up until now. And I look forward to the rest of my days on this planet still trying to put this thing together. <laughs> until one day I'm actually able to, to see the, the man face to face. And the Bible says my joy will be made complete, and I'll know him in full, just like he fully knows me now. The angels told the shepherds, they said, go to town. You're going to find him there. He's going to be wrapped in cloth. He's the savior of the world. And then the angels left and the shepherds said, let's go see for ourselves. Let's go do it. And they left the comfort of their own, their own thinking and their own, their own ideals. And they sought him out. 
And the Bible says the result was great joy. In verse 20, it says the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and all the things that they had seen as it was told unto them. Guys, Christmas is not wishful thinking. Christmas is based in fact. It's based in truth that Jesus really was born to a virgin over 2,000 years ago. He had a real family. He lived in a real hick town, <laughs> you know. He, he, he lived a sinless life. He performed undeniable miracles. He died a painful death. He rose from the grave. And here's the cool part. He went to the Father where he's preparing a place for us, and he is coming back for us. That, that's where our joy is. It's, and if you don't have your joy there, anything you have here is, is happiness, and it will be temporal. But the joy of the Lord is not this fairy tale that we celebrate. It is a fact of history. Jesus is alive. And he says to us in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. That means even when we pass away from this earthly body, we will live. We will have true life. And the more you know Jesus, the more you have a joy knowing that this life isn't the end. That Jesus made a way for you and there is heaven that's coming where there's no pain, where there is no heartache, there, there, there are no tears. Philippians 4 says that we can stand firm while we're here on this earth dealing with the stuff we go through because we're eagerly awaiting a Savior from there. That's, the, that's how you stand firm here. You know what that is? That's called joy. We read this, the scriptures and, and we read facts. We have documented eyewitnesses. The Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter 1.16, we weren't just wishing on a star when we laid the facts out before you regarding the powerful return of our master, Jesus Christ. He said, we were there. We saw it with our own eyes. The apostle John, another one of Jesus' disciples, 1 John 1, 1, said, the one who existed from the beginning is the one we have heard and seen. And we saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is Jesus Christ. He's the word of life. Paul, another New Testament writer, 2 Timothy 1 and 12, he's writing to, to the pastor Timothy, and, and Paul is suffering. He's in chains. He's, he's hurting because of his faith. They're being persecuted. He says, I'm suffering now because I tell the good news. But I'm not ashamed because I know Jesus. And he's the one in whom I believed. And I am sure that he is able to protect what has been entrusted to me until that day. It, it's this idea that he is suffering now, but he's trusting God to protect the joy, protect the, the, the reward until he finally sees it. And my question to you today is, would you be willing to seek out the man, Jesus? Would you be willing to seek out the facts for yourself and have joy? Because our joy isn't shallow. It's not this, let's pretend that everything's okay because it's Christmas. Let's just do something to make us feel better. It's the truth about the Savior of the world. And that Savior came to bring you joy and that joy breaks through the mundane. That joy eliminates the fear that we have. And that joy is based in truth. So let me ask you again. If you walked in here today and you don't have joy, and I hope I've been able to, to kind of separate what's joy and what's happiness. Maybe you walked in here with a lot of happiness, and I'm grateful for happiness. I really am. But my challenge to you today is, is do you have joy? That, that question, do you have joy? Answer it. I would challenge you not to look for something temporal, but press into the facts about what Jesus has done for you. Because until you put that puzzle together, until you, and, and, and I say puzzle because you know what? Sometimes it's a struggle. And it's not a struggle because he doesn't make himself known. It's a struggle because we have to battle our flesh the whole way. That's the struggle. 
But the facts are there. The truth is there for you to see. And that's where your joy is waiting. And I would just challenge you to discover it. <laughs> Reach out. Go for it. Be like the shepherds who, who left the comfort of their own little world and they, they went to see this thing that had happened. And when they got there, they found it just like they were told. Do you, you think it's coincidence that, that the angel of heaven came? You'd think they just believe it because they said it. Some of you are just believing it because me, a mere man, is saying it. The angels said it to them, but yet they still knew they had to go see for themselves. And the joy followed when they found it. Joy is waiting for you in the truth of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you need to rediscover that truth. And as you do, I want you to remember that this is a Savior that promised all along that journey never to leave you, never to forsake you, but He's with you always, even until the end. Will you pray with me? God, I, I'm grateful for your joy. It's not a temporal thing. It's an everlasting thing. And we'll take that joy right with us into eternity. Our, our, I'll never forget the, the scripture that Paul said when he said, outwardly, my flesh feels like it's wasting away. And literally it was. Our, our, our situations around us literally make us feel like we're wasting away at times. But he said, inwardly, there is something that is being renewed every single day. It's, it's, it's like the, even though my outward appearance and, and my outward circumstances are wasting my, my flesh away, I am actually growing in joy on the inside. How do we even think about that? That's crazy to think about. But Lord, it's because not of, of what we see here around us, but because of a joy of what's coming. They believed in it with all of their hearts, and now they're experiencing it in heaven. And Father, I pray that that faith that they had, Father, we'd read it and we'd be inspired to believe in you even stronger. Not to walk around satisfied with a half-put-together puzzle just because we think we know something that somebody said one time, but because we have sought you out for ourselves, that we are putting this together for ourselves. And you promise us that when we seek you, we will find you. And when we find you, we will find life and favor from you. I pray that, that what I say wouldn't satisfy us. I pray that what, what other people say wouldn't satisfy. But at the end of the day, when it's just you and me, when it's just you and everybody in here and everyone listening as individuals, that we wouldn't look to some famous pastor, ultimately, or we wouldn't look to Pastor Ryan, ultimately, but that we would find ourselves going, Jesus, it's just you and me, and I want to know you. Holy Spirit, prompt us. I know you're going to be true to your word. I know you're going to come through and lead us at a pace that is just right. As Galatians 5 says, keep, keep step with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I know. I know you're going to come through. And I know you're going to reveal yourself. My prayer is that we position ourselves to see you. Thank you for this joy this Christmas. There may be some people listening to me right now, maybe in this room. who they, they need to know you, Jesus. They, they need, if they left this earth right now, that it was an uncertainty as to whether or not they'd be in heaven. And I don't know if, if that's any of you listening to me right now. I, if it is, I want to tell you, you can make that decision right now. God doesn't make that complicated at all. He says, believe in me. Believe in me. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to, to say yes to Jesus today. Because I believe right now the ones that are kind of primed to make that decision are the ones that God's been speaking to. 
And I believe your heart right now is ready, and he's asking you to come forward. He's asking you to say yes to him. So I wonder if you just say yes to him as I pray this prayer, and I want it to echo in your heart, and you mean it to him. He hears you. God, I need you. Would, would you say that? I need you, God. I, this prayer can't ever begin with something that I brought to the table. It always has to start with, God, I need you. You don't bring anything good enough to the table. Neither do I. God, I, we need you. We need you. We need you. The good that I've done means nothing in the face of a perfect God. I need you. I feel like somebody just needs to say that today, and you need to take a sledgehammer and break down the walls of what you think makes you good. I, I feel that very strongly right now. Anything that you think makes you good in appearance, anything that you feel like makes you worthy in your own right, any, any, because you do great on your job, because you're a great husband or wife or a parent, because of some past good that you've done where you've given something away and it's been from your heart, some of those things may have been God-inspired, but you can't get into heaven, you can't be in the presence of a perfect God and let that somehow be something you stand on. Jesus is the only good. He's the only one that was perfect. He is the only one that makes you worthy of, of, of a perfect God. So we start this prayer, God, by saying, I need you. I believe you came to this earth to die for my sins and live a perfect life before you did it. I believe you spilled your precious, innocent blood for me. And I believe that you rose victoriously from a grave robbing hell. <laughs> you, you, you took the, the life right back and you get, make, make it accessible to us. You, you make us accessible to God the Father. Now we can stand and pray to you right now, knowing that you see us as worthy because of Jesus. I believe that. And I, I, I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to wake up every day and, and aim my heart at you. I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect, but I aim my heart at you, and I want you to help me. I want to seek you and figure this thing out. I want to strive after you. There'll be lots of people around to help, but Jesus, it's me and it's you at the end of the day. And I want to know you, and I want to hear about this joy, and I want to know about this joy that I've heard about today. Go with me. I thank you, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look at me real fast. If you've made a decision today to let Jesus lead your life like that, please make, let us know. Make it uh, a little check mark on your Connect card right there. Uh, and it's in front of you. If you haven't filled out your Connect card yet, please take a second and do that. Um, we want to connect with you. We, we want to make sure that, that you know what your next steps are. We want to help pray with you. We want to celebrate with you. This is a big step. If you've made another spiritual decision, please let us know. Uh, maybe you want to know what your next step is at the bridge. You want to figure out some information that you've had questions about. Please make a note on that Connect card. It's our way of being able to communicate with you. It's our way of knowing what you need so that we can be a resource. Um, I love this part. Listen, if you have a prayer request, after messages like this, I mean, we're all, we're all me. I'm like, I need prayer. <laughs> I've heard that. I'm going to make a decision today to do it. And I would like you to come alongside of me in prayer. You can write that on the back of the Connect card. You can be as detailed as you want. We pray for you. Every single week, we have a prayer team that prays. Our senior leadership team prays. It's a small circle. We don't, and it's very confidential, but we do pray for you. So let us know what your prayer needs are. Uh, we want to not just be a church. We want to be the church. We want to be a church that rallies around one another. Okay? 
Christmas Eve is coming up. You have your Christmas Eve invite packs. Remember the little invites? That's not for you, okay? We actually gave you a gift to give to somebody else. So if you keep it, you're stealing, okay? <laughs> we, well, that goes to somebody else. Give those things away. And there's, remember, there's a place for you to pray for those people that you have, you've invited. There's a, there's a place for you to pray for people that you're going to invite. I know some of those invitations sometimes can be difficult um, because you're a little bit nervous about it. You can, you can pray for them. We'll come alongside of you if you need help praying. Uh, I love you very much. I'm so grateful for you. Have a great, great Sunday. Have a great week coming up, and I'll see you back next week.